So this morning I want to share with you a little bit uh, out of the context of the series that we're talking this uh, month of April, uh, where we're talking about going back to the basics. And the concept of this series comes from very simply this. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we observed on April 1st, on Easter Sunday, when it first happened, the disciples had to figure out what this meant to be the church. They had no reference point for this uh, that helped them understand their unique creation as a community centered around Jesus living in the world. So it was a lot of discovery time. And so in that, we're using this opportunity to discover for ourselves what some of the basic understandings are that help us be guided as disciples in a community of faith in the world today. Now, the scripture that Megan's going to read to you in just a few minutes picks up what happened last week where Megan talked to you about the Emmaus story, um, the story of these two disciples, Cleopas and the other unnamed, who were traveling along the road uh, from uh, Jerusalem, um, and Jesus comes upon them and walks with them on their faith journey. Picking up from that story... And in addition, talking about the women who had seen uh, Jesus uh, resurrected on Easter morning and the disciple Peter who had seen the resurrected Jesus, all of them had started to get their stories back to the disciples. And the disciples now are starting to put together these various stories they're hearing about and listening to each one tell about their experience and their contemplating all this stuff, this information they're receiving around some had seen Jesus resurrected. We pick up in Luke. What happens next? This is a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 to 49. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy... They were disbelieving and still wondering. He said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the Lord's word. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Megan. And again, as we worship here in this room, and as you worship with us online, I invite all of us to join together now in a, in a spirit of prayer. Gracious and loving God, move through the words of my mouth 
that they would fulfill not my intention, but your purpose. Stir within our own hearts and minds as we are gathered here in the sanctuary or sitting at home, hopefully over breakfast or a cup of coffee in our jammas, uh, wherever we are, that worship might be honestly bringing us into your presence. Use this time then, Lord, humbly given to you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was privileged to go down to Duke University, my alma mater, to attend to visit the seminary there. I went with Reverend Dr. John Heiss, who's our district superintendent, um, and we went down really for two purposes. One, we have a couple of students down there from the Michigan area that we wanted to stay in relationship with um, as they're continuing their quest to pursue ministry. Uh, at seminary down at Duke. There are also candidates for ministry within the Michigan area. We wanted to keep that relationship with them. We also had hoped to maybe meet a couple other students or at least some students uh, who may be inquiring about doing ministry in the Michigan area. We went down and we met with those that we knew we would meet with, including uh, when we met with Taylor, we met her fiance, Cade, who's from North Carolina in seminary, and they, since they've just become engaged, are having that great conversation about where will they live the rest of their life, coming back to Michigan or staying in North Carolina, which is exactly the place my wife Laura and I were 39 years ago when we got engaged, and I knew I was coming back to Michigan, but my mother-in-law had questions about that. So I knew that I wanted to get down and meet Cade personally and talk with, talk with Taylor and the others. And in addition to uh, Taylor and um, Cade and uh, Sarah, who we met, I also met Sandy, who's another uh, uh, seminarian from the Carolinas, um, inquiring about ministry in the Michigan area. And I just want to tell you, I want to share with you that I have rarely had an experience that lifted my heart up more and gave me more hope for the future of the church and my meeting with these amazing young Christian leaders. In addition to Kelsey Burns, who's from our church, and at Garrett in Seminary in Chicago area, they collectively help me know that the church will be in wonderful hands and have people who are really passionate and gifted and so bright and willing to share their story of faith and help others grow in their faith with Jesus Christ. I came back very inspired. One of the other things that inspired me, though, that week was uh, we decided to go to chapel. Now, at Duke, they have a, a massive, the Duke Chapel, which dominates the campus. But inside the seminary, there's a smaller but wonderful chapel called Goodson Chapel. It's been built since I was there as a student. But it's a large room, and it has great windows around it so that you can look outside and see the trees and the birds and the sky and a little bit of the larger Duke Chapel off to the left. We went to worship that day without a lot of expectation. We just wanted to have the privilege of being those who were receiving worship and not doing worship. And while we were there, we discovered that it was a special Tuesday chapel service. It was remembering the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as it was on the 50th anniversary of his assassination. We wanted to celebrate who he was. And we went in and sat down, and we were introduced to the preacher for the day, who was a seminary graduate from Duke, um, but a Baptist preacher, a young Baptist preacher, serving in Durham, African-American. Um, and with him, he had brought some of his choir, so they had a gospel choir there. 
And the, the makeup of the community of faith was very eclectic. People like us were visitors, uh, seminarians, professors, uh, people from the Duke or Durham community, people from the church of the preacher, so a wide group of people. And uh, as we sat and listened to this fine young preacher uh, just give eloquent, inspiring conversation about the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and what it meant for us to live his faithful witness today in a world and where inclusion becomes a really challenging conversation. Um, it was just so inspirational to hear him. He's a great preacher. Um, that, was, that was in itself worth the trip. And then afterwards, his gospel choir of about 12 people got up to sing. And that's when we had gone to chapel and worship broke out. I am here to tell you that they started off with this gospel song. And in about four minutes, the entire place became an explosion of dancing and singing and laughing and celebrating. And everyone was involved in this worship moment. It just broke out. And then it couldn't stop. You couldn't contain it. I'm glad they didn't have a bulletin because they went off the rails in celebration. It was fantastic and so inspirational as we were able to share in that moment. And as we did that, as I watched that community of very different groups of people come together as one, so filled with power and energy, it reminded me of the disciples in this scripture passage. Now, as Megan read it to you, we remember that this starts with the disciples. Just They're in a room. They're probably still hiding out of fear for what might happen to them, thinking about their, their Savior had been persecuted and murdered. So they were worrying for their own safety. But now they're also confused because several folks they trusted are coming to say, hey, Jesus is still alive. He's come back to life. He's resurrected. And they had questions, as you can imagine. And they were having conversation about that with each other. And it seemed to me, the image that came to me as I was reading this, was it's like a lot of churches after Easter. They go, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what that means. What's that about? So it was a conversation of what resurrection might mean. And to their surprise, in the middle of their conversating, the resurrected Jesus appeared. And everything changes. Now Jesus is no longer just a historical figure, a good friend whom they're remembering. They are in the presence of the risen Christ. And what he does with them, I think, is significant. First, he gives them an opportunity to confirm their own personal faith. They're no longer going to live off stories of others who had seen Jesus. They saw Jesus. He said, you can come touch me, it's okay. And you know, because of their grief being taken away, you know it wasn't a casual touch. They embraced him. They were able to talk with him one-on-one. And he said, in great United Methodist tradition, hey, we got to eat, you got anything? So they brought up some fish, brought up some food, and they had a meal together. And we know through the Gospels, Jesus continually reached out to people through the breaking of bread. Whether it was the sacrament of Holy Communion that he celebrated the night before he was killed, or whether or not it was gathering together in someone else's house, Zacchaeus' house, the house of the Pharisee, others, where they sat down and just had a home meal with each other. 
and church broke out and lives were changed. And on this day, they broke bread with Jesus and it was a powerful moment. All of these things are brought together so that they would have their own faith confirmed. They would have their own faith story to tell, their own experience of Jesus to share with others. And then he begins to share with them what they had forgotten. He says, you remember these words that I spoke to you earlier? You know, I told you this was going to happen. He gives them a message of things that they had already heard. I've often said that I believe the primary function of preaching is telling people what they forgot. There's rarely anything I can say, if ever, that's going to be brand new, no one's ever heard before. I don't have any of that. What I have is to remind people of what we've forgotten that we used to know or could know about the story of Jesus. Most of the preaching, fundamentally, is reduced down to this. Remember, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. What is it to live faith, to act humbly, walk with mercy, and to serve? And we remember the things that we forgot since last week or last year or when we were in Sunday school as kids. Here he tells them what they had forgotten so that they would remember that these are the words of faith that can sustain them in the days to come. In my ministry uh, with people of all places in life, I've experienced a lot of times being with those who are leaving this world to go into the next world, who are in the process of dying. And in those moments, oftentimes as I've been with folks, even after we could have conversation with each other, even after I could be certain that they were hearing me, there have been moments in which the only thing I was left to do was to offer prayer. And in concluding with the Lord's Prayer, the person I was praying with who was actively dying would pray that prayer with me. It was a part of their faith journey. They had had it as a prayer since they were a kid. They'd prayed it how many times and in how many different places throughout their ministry. And even as they're leaving this world, to join together in that moment with them, with the saints throughout the history who had paused in a moment and said, Our Father who art in heaven. And it was a moment of connection. Remembering what we forgot. Jesus does that with the disciples. Then the next thing he does is help them get ready for what they could not see was coming down the road. He tells them, I need you to go and prepare. I need you to go get ready. He doesn't tell them for what, though. Oh, they're going to be clothed from on high. But what does that mean? They would not know until the next chapter in Acts where we discover and celebrate Pentecost. Next May, or next month, during the, season, during the month of May, we're going to spend the entire month celebrating and reflecting on the story of Pentecost. But the disciples had no reference to that. They didn't know what that was going to be. Jesus didn't worry about telling them all of what it was going to be. What he wanted to do was to get them ready for whatever was going to come down the road. This resurrection of Jesus to the disciples then confirms their faith reminds them of what they forgot or perhaps never knew, and then gets them ready for what's coming next. And I would contend to you, that is the pattern for why the church exists. That's oftentimes why we come together for worship, here or online. We come and gather together because we want to be in a place where we remember our faith. We have it reconfirmed. We have our own experience of Christ. Really what worship is to be is to create space in our life for God to appear to us. 
It is not to hear eloquent preaching or great singing on most Sundays. It is rather to create spaces where we might pause to remember, to see, experience Christ. It's an invitation for us to take the time to find Christ somewhere in the worship or because of the worship somewhere later in the week. It is a time to be reminded of what we forgot. Have you ever come into Sunday worship out of habit and left with new meaning? I mean, some Sundays, the truth is, we come not knowing what to expect. And maybe those are the Sundays where we have the greatest opportunity to receive what God alone can provide. We did not plan this today. We did not plan ice storm on April 15th. We didn't plan to have the great faithful who are here in front of me in the sanctuary be the ones who are receiving this message in this way. We did not plan for the number of you who are sitting at home receiving it there. But what could happen because of the uniqueness of today? Setting extra time aside for God to stir in our hearts and life. I want to suggest to you today that perhaps this is the invitation why all of this matters. Do you have in your memory, in your recent memory, an experience of the resurrected Christ? When's the last time you knew that you were in the presence of the living Jesus? In 1972, in the IMA auditorium in Flint, Michigan, I gave my life to Jesus Christ at a Tom Skinner concert. I still remember that moment. But if that were the last moment that I had had an experience of the resurrected Christ, consider how unhealthy my relationship with Jesus would be today. It'd be like the last time I had a real conversation with Laura Dake was in 1979 when we got married. We've had some conversations since then, which has allowed the relationships to stay vital and meaningful. So my question to you, is not when was the first time, but when was the last time you had an experience of Jesus Christ? You've been reminded, you've been invited to be in relationship with Christ so you can be ready for whatever's coming down the road that we can't see right now, but it's coming this week, next week, next month. How do you have that relationship with Christ? How do you, how do you have that moment of an experience? It comes in so many different ways. Maybe it has to do with just reading the scriptures, remembering the story of Jesus. There are so many times I find folks have been trying to figure out about Jesus by listening to what other people tell them about Jesus rather than just reading the story, getting to know him for yourself. Maybe it's about entering into prayer that is more filled with silence rather than you rambling on telling Jesus what you need from him, creating holy space, with expectation and anticipation that the risen Christ will appear. Maybe it is as simple as praying this prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And waiting and trusting and knowing that it doesn't come at our beck and call but knowing that when we create spaces Jesus is faithful 
I oftentimes miss my relationships with people because I'm running too fast. I'm running in, I'm running out, I'm going back, I'm going forth. And I don't take the time to just pause and say, hey, how you doing? Or listen to people. Anyone else have those moments? You don't take time for the people who are closest to you? If you don't take the time for Christ, quite frankly, you may miss his presence right, in, right there with you. So take the time. And understand, this story is given to us because it really does matter. Being part of a church is a wonderful thing. But Jesus did not call to create an institution. Jesus came to create relationship with you. And then unique relationships we have with each other as a community of faith based on our relationship with him. And so maybe this ice storm is God's gift to you today. Maybe it's a chance for all of us to have a little extra time, not just to rest or watch the binge-watching shows we want to look at today, but maybe it's about just pausing long enough to say, Lord, I got some space in my life now. Come, Lord Jesus, come. It is my deepest prayer that in the midst of all this, today or someday soon, you're talking about Jesus will come into a moment when you are with Jesus. To God be the glory, and may it be so by his name and by his power. Amen.